This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to Worth Recovery, a podcast featuring women in sex addiction. I'm Amy. I'm a recovering sex addict, and I have been sober since December 2nd of 2012. Okay, today is episode 33, and before we get into episode 33, I just want to update you from our last episode. Our last episode, episode 32, I talked about being engaged in the struggle. Engaged in the struggle of our life, whatever that is, whatever it looks like for you, I urged you to try to be engaged in the struggle of your life. And I had an engaged moment this week and something that kind of is a little tender for me, but I wanted to share it with you. My aunt was diagnosed with cancer a number of years ago. Her struggle is rapidly coming to an end. And when I was talking with my mom recently about it, this is her sister, I felt this desire to reach out to my aunt, but I didn't really know what to say. We were really close when I was a teenager, but we have been estranged for probably 15 to 20 years, maybe. She has done some damaging things and said some damaging things about my mom and my family, and I have pretty much ignored her, to be honest. However, now she is going to die, and I felt the need to make amends or try to set things right. I called. I was so relieved that she didn't answer, so relieved, and I left a message telling her that I loved her and that I was sorry. I left it at that, right? I had tried. I tried to be engaged. That's all I can do is try. I felt engaged in the struggle of trying, but a few hours later, she called back. I debated not answering if we're just being really honest here. What do you say to your aunt, kind of estranged aunt who was on her deathbed? But I took a deep breath and I thought, I am engaged in the struggle. And I answered the phone. It was hard. I won't sugarcoat it. It was hard. But it was amazing as well. We cried and laughed and shared memories. I expressed my love and she did as well. I stumbled over words as I tried to make an apology. I'm not exactly sure if I actually said the words, but I hope that she felt my intention. I'm pretty sure that she did. A few days later, she lost consciousness. She hasn't passed away yet, but we expected it any moment. It wasn't a perfect conversation. I didn't receive an apology like I think I was expecting or wanted, but it has brought a large level of peace in my life. I know that I don't want to do deathbed apologies again, and I know that I want to be better at forgiving. And I know, most importantly, that I want to stay engaged in the struggle. Because having that conversation is better than the regret that I would feel if she passed away. So I just wanted to share that moment with you because I think it's important that we are real about how hard this is and because I want to know what you're doing to stay engaged in the struggle. I want to hear about how you're doing, what you're doing, and the brave things that you are doing in your life. So email me. It's amy, A-M-Y, at worthrecovery.com, or you can get on Facebook and join me. You can search for Worth Recovery, or you can get on the website and comment with how you are engaged in the struggle. I would love to hear that. I would also love to be able to share some of your moments of engagement 
on the podcast. So let me know what you're doing and let me know how it's going in your life. Okay, now let's talk about today. Today is episode 33 and this is the continuation of our series about the 12 steps of recovery. So far, we've covered steps one, two, and three. We've talked about what they mean. I gave you some examples from my own life, and I made some suggestions on how to work them in your life. Before we go on to step four, which is one of the hardest for me personally, I want to take an episode though and to talk about the principles behind steps one, two, and three and how they work together. In recovery, we call this process, steps one, two, and three, surrender. Maybe you've heard that term. I know I have. I heard it a lot when I was new, and I wasn't quite sure what it meant. Surrender has a pretty negative connotation, right? I've never considered it a good thing necessarily. Yet, I sat in meetings and heard things like, wow, I had to make a phone call and surrender it. Or, I worked a mini one, two, and three on it, and I surrendered it to God. Or sometimes I was asked, did you tell someone? Did you surrender it? What did you do? I didn't know what that stuff meant for a long time. I listened and I said I surrendered, but I really wasn't sure if I was surrendering or if surrendering was actually working for me. I couldn't imagine what surrendering really meant. It sounded bad. If you surrender, isn't that when you give up? Isn't that when you give into what you're battling and let them win? Isn't that losing? Isn't surrendering losing? How was that supposed to help me? How is surrendering supposed to help me? That's what I want to look at today. Let's look at that. Let's talk about surrender and what it really means. We usually think of surrender in terms of war, one group of people fighting another group of people for power or possession of something, whether that is land or people or government or authority. Two groups are fighting for something and one group surrenders, usually under duress and after much pain and much loss. One group surrenders to the other and the history books write about it calling them the losers. Now, depending upon what side of the battle you are on, losing might be good and losing might be bad. But either way, someone wins and someone loses. When I first heard surrender, I thought it meant I was losing. I was the loser. I was going to surrender and lose. And I didn't want to be a loser. I wasn't sure how surrendering made me a winner. I didn't really get that. Until... I read this portion of the Sexaholics Anonymous white book, and this is on page 84, in discussing our many attempts to try and change our behavior and stay sober, we read, quote, we had tried one or the other of two options. On the one hand, we expressed our obsession and addiction by acting it out. On the other hand, we tried suppressing it by drinking, drugging, eating, or by fighting it with white knuckle willpower. And with that, a show of promises and resolutions. Many of us switched from acting out to suppression back and forth. Neither option brought us the peace we sought so desperately. Expressing the obsession made it progress relentlessly on and on, and suppressing it only made the pressure build inside until something had to give. Both options made it worse. We were between a rock and a hard place. We never knew there was another option. Surrender. What a beautiful, liberating word it has become to those of us who do it. Close quote. That definitely described my life prior to recovery. I went back and forth, back and forth, acting out and suppression, acting out, suppression, acting out, suppression. After some binging on acting out, I would feel horrible about myself. Usually some relationship would end or I would cross yet another boundary I had set for myself and the shame would be too much. So in a big show of willpower, I would fight it off. I would suppress 
all sexual instincts. I would avoid all relationships, good or bad usually, and I would do anything to fight it. But the pressure would build and build and build, and then I'd be gone again, binging on sex to alleviate the pressure I felt. I never even knew that there was a third option, surrender. Dictionary.com tells us that surrender is to yield something to the possession or power of another. And that is where the steps come in. Step one taught me that I am powerless over my sexually addictive behaviors and that these behaviors and my addiction create a lot of unmanageability in my life. Step two taught me that my higher power could restore me to sanity. And in step three, I made a decision to turn my will over to the care of this higher power. That is the essence of surrender. I realized that fighting it and suppressing it didn't work. Acting it out didn't work. So I voluntarily surrender my addiction to the possession and power of another, to my higher power. The White Book also describes it this way on page 65, quote, The program doesn't tell us how to stop. We had done that a thousand and one times. It shows us how to keep from starting again. We had it backwards. Before, we always wanted the therapist, spouse, or God to do the stopping for us, to fix us. Now, we stop. And then, in our surrender, the power of God becomes effective in us. Close quote. When I voluntarily surrender to my higher power, when I make the decision to stop, when I make the decision to turn over my behavior, his power becomes effective in me. Let me give you a concrete example from my life. When I first started to try to get sober, the hardest part of the day for me was trying to go to sleep at night. I could distract myself during the day pretty effectively, but nights would be my downfall in trying to stay sober. For years, decades really, I would fantasize to get to sleep. It wasn't every night, but it was definitely most nights, and at least 50% of the time, it would also include masturbation. Fantasy was my escape, definitely one of my addictive behaviors that had to stop. I would get into bed at night and spend hours trying to fight it. I would talk to myself, read books, play games, anything I could do not to fantasize. But this wreaked havoc on my sleep schedule. I wouldn't fall asleep until the wee hours of the morning and was only averaging four to five hours a night. I can't survive on that personally. Plus, it made me way susceptible to other ways of acting out. Sleep deprived, I had to try a new way. I clearly remember the night I knelt at my bed to pray. I told my higher power that I couldn't fight it anymore and that I was surrendering. I went through all the steps. I always pray out loud. So I said, I am powerless over fantasy. I can't fight it anymore. I can't do this anymore, but I can't give in either. I can't lose my sobriety yet again by masturbating. But, higher power, I believe in you. I believe that you can restore me to sanity. I am voluntarily surrendering my will, my desire to fantasize and act out to you, to your care. Please, please help me. I got up and I got into bed. And you know what? <laughs> the next morning when I woke up, I didn't even remember fighting. Actually, I didn't remember anything. I honestly got into bed and pretty much must have instantly fallen to sleep. I didn't remember being tempted. I didn't remember getting up in the middle of the night. I had gotten a full night's sleep and felt incredible. That was my first experience with the power of surrender. 
I didn't have to fight it. I didn't have to give in to it. I could surrender it to God's possession and power. That's the definition of surrender. I could surrender whatever it was to God's possession and power, and he would take care of it for me. This voluntary piece of surrender is so important. Our higher power will not force us to do anything, ever. I'm sure you know that. Nor will our higher power take something away from us without our consent or our work. At the beginning of the essay white book, a man tells the story of his life. He tells how his addiction progressed and changed and warped his mind. And he tells of his recovery and what worked for him in recovery and in working the 12 steps. On page 20, he writes, quote, I didn't realize that the essence of being human is to have free choice. God doesn't want to remove from me the possibility of falling. He wants me to have the freedom to choose not to fall. I'd been praying self-righteously all along. Please, God, take it away. Not realizing my inner heart was piteously whining, so I won't have to give it up. There was a belief in God without surrender, and that belief availed nothing. Close quote. Wow. That was true of my early days of recovery, and even in some of the things I'm still struggling with now. I begged, I pleaded, I prayed for my higher power to take it away from me. Just take this desire away. Take this trigger, this want, this need to act out, or need for a person, or need for a fantasy. Just take it all away. I said that prayer so many times, day after day, week after week, month after month. And when the desire struck, when the trigger happened again and again, I would even feel abandoned by God. I felt like I wasn't worthy enough for this to be removed. I felt like God wasn't willing to help me. It would shame me and throw me into a shame spiral, making me feel worse and worse, needing something to numb and escape my feelings more and more, and I would, and I would end up acting out. The cycle never seemed to end. It wasn't until I got into recovery that I realized, even in the middle of these prayers, even in the midst of begging for this to be gone, in my heart I was saying... So I won't have to give it up. So I won't have to do the hard work. So I won't have to make the choice to change. I wanted all of the reward, but not all of the work. I wanted all of the benefits of working the steps without actually working them. This was a hard revelation for me. My higher power might or might not remove this addiction from me. But moment by moment, if I made the choice and surrendered, he would do exactly what the definition of surrender is. He would take possession of it, take it into his power, and in essence, fight the battle that I could not win. What happened to me that night in my bedroom was a total miracle, at least in my book. It was one of my first real moments of surrender in my addiction. But it wasn't a forever thing. It wasn't something I did one time and then never had to worry about again. In fact, just a few short nights later, I lost my sobriety. Why? Because I got into bed and didn't surrender. It had been a tough day at work. Really tough. My boss at that time was abusive and had yelled and thrown stuff around the office all day. I got into bed and sought the comfort of fantasy. There were a few moments I thought to myself, Wow, Amy, you better stop this. (laughs) You better get on your knees and give it up. You better surrender. But I didn't. I didn't want to. And later that night, I acted out. The white book continues in that same section. Merely knowing and admitting we were powerless over lust or whatever form our acting out took didn't help until we gave up our right to do it and let it go. 
There was no mistaking this change of heart when it happened. We knew it and those about us knew it. There is no faking surrender. And thank God, when we did give up and stop fighting, he was always there, waiting with open arms. Instead of killing us as we had feared, surrender killed the compulsion. Close quote. I learned a valuable lesson. It's like the AA book tells us, God could and would if he were sought. And when we seek him, our higher power, whatever form that is for you, through the process of surrender, we let go and let God. We give it up to God. We do a mini one, two, and three on it, and we turn it over to our higher power. All of these sayings were born out of the process of surrender. The serenity prayer is also the essence of surrender. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Today, I've learned to surrender nearly everything. Most of the time, it looks like this. I notice I'm disturbed. Maybe I'm scared, triggered, or just pissed off. Maybe I'm obsessing over something. Maybe I'm frustrated, or maybe I'm just plain irritated. Maybe I'm aroused and know that there's nothing that I can really do about it. I ask myself, is there something I need to do? Do I need to forgive? Do I need to make something right? Do I need to stop taking my frustration out on others? Is there something that I need to do? And then I surrender it. I pray. Now, I've told you, I I usually pray out loud. And most of the time this is in my car because I love to pray in my car. But sometimes it is on my knees and sometimes it's just in my heart. In fact, most of the time during the day when I'm around people, it's really just my heart and my head. It goes something like this. Higher power, I can't fix this, nor can I fight it. But I know that you can. I surrender it to you and I ask you to help me do my part. Now, that's kind of the general idea. It helps if I can be super specific. I have found that it helps if I can be super specific. I also try to add a prayer for the other person if someone else is involved. Here are a few examples from the last few days of my life. (laughs) Let's see. First, I had a super sexual dream. I woke up in that hazy area where I'm like, Uh, was that real? Did I act out or was that a dream? And then after realizing it was a dream, I just felt off all morning. By the time I realized I was actually replaying the dream in my head, I was way past obsessing about it. I said out loud because I was alone, higher power, I can't hold on to this or fight it because I will lose. But I know that you have the power to fight this for me. I surrender this dream to you and I ask that you help me to focus on what I have and the work I have in front of me and to do thy will. If it comes up to my mind again, I say the same prayer. Maybe I don't really want to give it up. Maybe I'm enjoying replaying this dream, almost like euphoric recall. Then I will say to my higher power, hey, I'm having a hard time giving this up. But I know if I keep holding on to it, I will slip and fall. I surrender my pride and my bad attitude to you. I surrender this dream to you again and ask that you help me focus on the work I have in front of me and to do thy will. I will do it as many times as necessary. Sometimes that is only once, but more often it's usually like three or four times. Oh, that's right. Another example I have, I a car, I was driving to work this week and a car cut me off. And it wasn't just like a little bit. It was like nearly wrecked me, okay? And this this scenario in the past would eat me up for days. I would tell everyone I could about it and just be generally pissed off about the entire thing. 
Now, I try to say in an attitude of surrender, wow, higher power, I can't change or fix the fact that I'm obsessing about getting cut off. I surrender to you my resentment and my anger about the situation. Please help me stop thinking about it and let it go. Please also help them get to wherever they are going safely. It works for me. It really, really does. And when I can do that in an attitude of surrender, most of the time it just goes away. Sometimes though, I have to admit my heart really isn't in it. And I might say the words, but it isn't enough. I still think about it and I obsess about it. And if that's the case, then I know I need to also surrender to someone else. I need to put some light on it. I need to bring the inside out and talk it through. Here's an example. (laughs) A few weeks ago, I went to a book club and this woman talked way too much at book club. I got all bent out of shape about it. She kept talking over other people and it was just really, really annoying. I kept thinking really bad things about her for days and I was just really annoyed and I was starting to take it out on other people. We didn't really want to hear about the culinary school and her family and all these things that she had going on that had nothing to do with the book. So days later, I still couldn't let it go. Finally, I made a call to a friend about it. I explained how upset I was and how I was still upset about this woman at book club and just in general explained the whole thing. This wonderful friend of mine said, wow, Amy, you're being pretty judgmental. I know. I said, I hate that I'm being judgmental, but I just can't seem to let it go. So I'm talking it. So I'm talking about it so that I will stop obsessing about it. We had a great discussion, really, about why it might have hit me so strongly that day. She helped me make some connections about my reaction and some other things going on in my life. It was really good. And once I had made those connections and I saw my anger for what it was, really misdirected, I was able to let it go. I prayed for this woman for a few more days. You might be thinking that example has nothing to do with sex, Amy. What are you talking about? And you're right, it didn't. But as I've said before, guys, addiction, this compulsive need for sex, is just a symptom of my bigger problem. And that is my spiritual emptiness, my hunger, and my diseased attitudes. The white book says it this way on page 61, quote, instead of covering our feelings with compulsive sex, we began exposing the roots of our spiritual emptiness and hunger. And the healing began. As we faced our defects, we became willing to change. Surrendering them broke the power they had over us. We began to be more comfortable with ourselves and others for the first time without our drug, close quote. What surrendering does is break the power that addiction, triggers, character defects, and flaws have over me. Remember, the definition of surrender is to voluntarily yield or turn over something to the possession and power of another. When I practice it, when I make surrender a habit, I find more peace. I find that I can take more responsibility and accountability for my life and my actions. I find really how limited my perspective is and how selfish and prideful I can be, but I also find compassion and empathy from both my higher power, myself, and from those around me. And I find that the more I surrender, the more compassion and empathy I have for others. But more than all of that, I find a new power in my life. 
I find that my higher power works wonders in my life and fights the battles that I know I will lose. When I seek, he is always there. Just for today, try it. Try surrendering more. Try surrendering all of it, even the little things. The people that cut you off. The bad thoughts that you have about other people. The annoyance that the guy is at work. Whatever it is, take a moment and surrender it. I am confident that the more you try it, the more peace you will find in your life. You can do it. And just like always, I want to hear about it. How did it go for you? What's your process of surrender? Join us online, worthrecovery.com. Join us on Facebook. Figure out a way to talk to us and connect and communicate. I would love to hear about your process of surrender and also the way that you're engaged in the struggle of your life. Ladies, if this podcast has helped you at all, I urge you to get online at worthrecovery.com and become a worth warrior, a patron of the Worth Recovery podcast. Your help is needed to keep this podcast free and available to women all around the world. The button on the right side of the page will give you all the information you need how to make that happen. And remember, it's www.worthrecovery.com. Also, reach out, ladies. I really want to hear from you and connect with you. Join us on Facebook. Search for Worth Recovery and give us a shout out. There's also a super secret Worth Recovery Facebook group. Give us a shout out and get connected. And then, as always... I hope you know that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how you feel in this very moment, no matter if you're struggling to surrender or you're ready to surrender, wherever it is that you are, you are worth recovery. 100% worth it. I know that. Keep up the fight. Keep working at it. I think about you. I pray for you. And I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.